Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Deanna. And this is Historable. So, Deanna. So, Michelle. Happy day. Happy day indeed. Well, first off, just need to throw this out there for any <laughs> potential background noise. That <laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> Trigger warning. If you don't like the sound of fighter jets in the background, <laughs> um, we may or may not be having some of that in today's episode. It is the annual Chicago Air and Water Show that occurs, which is a super fun event. It's over Lake Michigan, and it's the Blue Angels fighter jets that just like do all these kind of maneuvers and tricks and stuff. And yeah, they are very loud. Yes, there's so many cool like random planes and like it's a it's a good time it's a good time for sure yeah just a little noisy during the uh the week (laughs) exactly yeah they were running their practice like drills I guess uh this week and it's fun I I was like going on a walk I'm like this is cool I'm just like going to get groceries and there's these fighter desks just like (laughs) doing little maneuvers and formations above me so we'll try and stop if they get really loud but you just never know you never know. It's part of the fun of this weekend. No promises, <laughs> but um, definitely a huge attraction to the Chicagoland area. They do it every year, like I said. 10 out of 10 would recommend coming down for the weekend because you get to hang out on a beach and watch all this like cool like stunt work and stuff, so it's very fun. For sure. Anyway, on to today's episode. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. So today's episode is going to be about William Frederick Cody, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill. I know nothing about him, so I'm excited. Yeah. And I just ate a buffalo chicken salad. (laughs) Unintentional. I also kind of really didn't know anything about him either. I think I knew that maybe he was a frontiersman or something like that. I had some, right? Like some concept of that. Was he at the Alamo? He was not at the Alamo. Yeah. He was an American soldier slash like showman slash hunter slash... Hotelier. Oh, wow. A man of many talents. <laughs> Slash kind of just all around bad B for sure. Okay. He was most known for his hunting skills of game. His game of choice was Buffalo, hence the name Buffalo Bill. Makes sense. It's yeah. all coming together now. Yeah. So this topic was actually suggested by my brother and uh, not Deanna's husband, brother, his twin. <laughs> my other, the other brother. brother. <laughs> the other brother. So for those that don't know, my brother Dave is actually the one that created our intro music and background music. He did. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Shout out to Dave. And so when we were, I don't know, chatting a couple months ago, with the siblings about podcast recommendations he had suggested a topic on william frederick cody so here we are today here we are i thought it was high time that we get to the topic so honorary mention and shout out to my brother dave obviously obsessed with the intro music (laughs) we love it for sure so yeah getting to buffalo bill let's do it yeehaw all right So William Frederick Cody was born in 1846 in the state of Iowa in the U.S. So for the first seven or so years of his life, him and his family kind of bopped around, 
couple different places in the U.S. as well as actually Canada because his father was from Canada. But by 1853, the family found themselves in Levensworth, Kansas. And this is where a lot of like form, what is the word I'm thinking of? Forming years? I was going to say formative. Yeah, I was going to say formidable. I'm like, that's not right. You were close. (laughs) Formative. Words are hard. Yeah. So very formative years for our boy Bill here. But this was an interesting time to be living in Kansas because these were in the years leading up to the American Civil War. So Kansas was kind of a battleground state when it came to anti or pro-slavery. It was, I think it's technically below the Mason-Dixon line, but it was far enough west where it was kind of an outlier state. Got it. But there was a lot of groups of people down there very actively pushing for both sides. So it was kind of sketchy there for a minute. Bill and his family were very much so anti-slavery at the time. There was some mention of Bill's family or uh, like of his parents coming from Quaker roots. Mm -hmm. So the Quakers were a group of people. They were always known to be very anti-slavery. Got it. And so a lot of times if if you were to express anti-slavery like sentiments, people would maybe assume that you were a Quaker because of that. Got it. But so a lot of people assume that this is maybe where they got that kind of like idea, but they weren't alone in Kansas, but there was definitely seemed to be more pro-slavery people down there. Got it. So at one event, one pro-slavery event, Bill's father actually got up and spoke against the group of people, which led to him getting two stabs to the gut. (gasps) Oh my goodness. Yeah, people were wilding out down there. Oh, (laughs) yikes. Luckily, someone pulled him away and he was able to be tended to, but his wounds never quite fully healed. Um, Eventually, his his father would pass a few years later from complications between the wounds and also some other illnesses. So this story is kind of crazy too so apparently the next couple years were really dangerous for bill and his family Mm -hmm. because his father had spoken out in opposition of slavery and his family was targeted because of that there was numerous death threats people stole their horses and their valuables and they were constantly being watched and followed and stuff like that so eventually bill's father kind of went away not to leave the family but to protect the family to Mm -hmm. be like well i'm the issue i'm the drama (laughs) so i'm gonna leave yeah so he would come back periodically, sneak back home just to visit his family and stuff like How that. Sad. I know. That's awful. So these pro-slavery people, I guess, had found out that Bill's father was planning a secret visit home mm-hmm. and they planned to intercept him on his way and murder him. Oh my gosh. But Bill found this out and given to like Bill's like 10 or 11 years old at this time. Bill literally hopped on a horse and rode like 30 miles to go warn his father of what was happening. So his father was like, cool, thanks for the heads up. And the story kind of differs here. Again, this is like 1800s. But it seems like he was gathering a bunch of anti-slavery families to Mm -hmm. come back with him to kind of like settle in the area to kind of beef up that anti-slavery sentiment and also kind of just like show up with a big group of people that were supporting him right yeah and it was actually on that return trip back to kansas where he fell ill and because of the combination of everything he Mm -hmm. passed away so he never was able to return home bummer yeah so at just 11 years old 
Bill kind of became almost like the man of the house, right? Because back in that time, the loss of a father in a family meant almost like certain demise, Yeah. right? Like a mother could work, but it was never going to be as substantial as what a man's work could bring in. So just at 11 years old, Bill had to go out and start trying to provide for the family. So one of his first jobs that he got was on wagon trains as a messenger boy. So he would pretty much on these like long trains of wagons. Mm -hmm. This is also too in the times of like Oregon Trail. And Ah, so there's a lot of people heading west. He would actually ride next to the wagon train and would like deliver messages from like the front to the back. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, you got these like long wagon trails spanning people yeah right or saying like hey we're gonna stop or whatever passing different communications and it was actually kind of during this time that another like very interesting event happened in his life that kind of like led to more like what he was known for and his kind of experiences so at they were traveling and there was a band of indians because okay this is the great plains of the united states mm-hmm. and because of like manifest destiny and all this expansion the U.S. was trying to do, they just kept pushing the Native Americans further west and further west, and there was a lot of issues. So they end up being attacked by some Indians, and the group was kind of like hiding and and looking out for each other and all this. Mm-hmm. And at one point, little 11-year-old Bill saw an Indian and just fired and shot him and ended up killing him. Oh, my gosh. So this kind of like formed a lot of like his future self wild like west wild, and crazy yeah guy. like yeah cowboys versus indians like that type of thing yeah. so this was something that he was probably really well known for as well so over the next couple years decade or so bill actually held a number of different jobs he worked as a hunter a fur trapper going back to our oregon trail episode the trail kind of originated with fur trappers yeah they were the ones that kind of navigated that path. Um, he also worked as a messenger and also a gold miner, or let's say a, a prospective gold miner. Okay. So this is at the time where California was having its like gold mining boom, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of people were heading out west to go join in on this and get their riches. So I'm going to say legends say, because there's a lot of mystery and a lot of maybe like twisting of the truth when it comes to Mr. Buffalo Bill. But legends say that he set out on a wagon train to go to California and to become a gold miner. Mm-hmm. While traveling, he encountered the Pony Express, which, I don't know, did you learn about this in school? I feel like... You know, it's, like, it's so funny. It sounds familiar. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. What it was. <laughs> I'm literally the same way. I it's, know that I knew it. At one point in life, we knew what this was. Yeah, no clue. But I'm going to tell you so you know it at oh, this point thank in you. life. So the Pony Express was kind of like the forefather of the United States Postal Service. Got it. It was a series of messengers on horses, hence mm-hmm. the Pony Express, that would deliver messages across the country. Again, on the Oregon Trail and different places and stuff like that. So they got so effective that they could deliver a message from east to west coast in as little as 10 days. That's impressive. That is... Sometimes that doesn't even happen today. It doesn't even happen today. I'm like, yeah, this is insane. I'm like, I know the longest road trip I've taken is from Chicago to San Diego. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're looking at like 
kind of middle of the U.S. to the West Coast. That yeah. took like 30 hours. In a car. In a car. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 10 days, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty express. Yeah. But Pony I'm express. Pony express. So... The Pony Express didn't really, it lasted like 18 months before it went bankrupt, which I think is just wild. Interesting. But also, like, the Telegraph came into play, so it was kind of like, yeah, this is instantaneous. Yeah, (laughs) this is way more effective. So anyway, he encounters a man of the Pony Express and says, I want to do this. So then legends say that he he then worked for the Pony Express for a time. This is something he's very commonly associated with, but that most historians say, like, we think he was more so a messenger in the Kansas area in like a three mile radius. Got it. (laughs) When you see like just generic Buffalo Bill literature, it's like a writer for the Pony Express. So... Jury's still out on that one. All right. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Bill really came to know the land, right? He started to come become accustomed to dealing with Indians in diplomatic ways to not just like killing people, right? Like right. he learned the land and how to survive on the land and how to hunt and horses and all of that kind of stuff. And this kind of led him to like his next job, which was for the Union Pacific Railroad. So his job was actually to travel i think it was like for the workers that were building in like a new stretch of because it was like the railways during this era were expanding like crazy yeah just trying to get people connected to the west so his job was to be with the workers and hunt local game in order to feed the workers oh that's fun right because again these these areas are just being settled by the americans yeah like uh (laughs) asterisk yeah very important note and there wasn't a lot of resources, so they obviously they had to live off the land. Yeah. So Bill was tasked with hunting animals to feed them, and what he would mainly hunt. Let me guess, buffalo. Uh, wow, you're right. I'm so smart. <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> So at the time, the Great Plains of the United States and just the Western general were littered with buffalo. Not so much anymore, obviously. People like Buffalo Bill kind of threw them into a little bit of extinction. Not just him, but just in general. Manifest destiny in general. (laughs) So he would hunt all these buffalo, and he became so well known for it that I saw some stats that were saying, like, in 30 minutes, he managed to kill 48 buffalo. Another was like in eight months, he killed over 4,000 buffalo. I'm like, I feel like the math doesn't quite add up for the myself. The math ain't mathing. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's impressive, but yes. there's no way. I'm like, that's a lot. I think the 4,000 in eight months is accurate. That makes more sense. But 48 in 30 minutes. That's like a buffalo every, what, 45 seconds? Or something that's impossible. My brain ain't mathing either. I don't think that's <laughs> like, right. <laughs> either way, he killed a lot of buffalo, and kind of Buffalo Bill was born from that. But there was another man already named Buffalo Bill. <gasps> he stole his name. His name was Bill Comstock. And in an infamous competition between the two Bills, they set out to compete against one another to say who it actually is going to earn the title of Buffalo Bill. So they kind of like went at it to earn this title. <laughs> they did like a bill off? They a did buffalo a bill, bill off. A Buffalo Bill off. So what better way to compete than who can kill the most, most buffalo? So they were given an eight-hour window and Bill Buffalo Bill Cody. <laughs> well, let me say, 
our bill ended up winning by killing 68 buffalo in eight hours as compared to Bill Comstock only killed 48. Ugh. Again, kind of going back to the other thing, it's like this was in eight hours they killed this much. Over 100 buffalo, right? Yeah. But definitely you can't kill 48 in 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Thus, Bill Cody became the one and only Buffalo Bill and won his title. So once given the nickname, Buffalo Bill as like an entity kind of really started to gain a lot of notoriety and there was like a lot of stories written about him in some of like the nation's top newspapers including the chicago tribune and the new york weekly and i think at one point too he even had like a guy write a like a book about him wow but it was i mean there are several books written about him and one he wrote himself but at this point in time this particular individual wrote some stories that were highly inflated, which I think is where we get a lot of these kind of more legends rather the than facts. Story exactly. Yeah. 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 So Buffalo Bill also served in the Civil War and a couple skirmishes in what is kind of broadly known as the American Indian Wars. And he did this as a scout. So he wasn't like he was part of the army, but wasn't like an officer uh, yeah like term? yeah this was a little confusing to me but pretty much he would go ahead and make sure like ahead of the group and make sure that like no one was gonna get got it they weren't gonna get ambushed or whatever again i think using his knowledge of the land and of all of that so yeah he kind of did that so in the years following the civil war there was still a lot of animosity between the american government and the native people of the land and government or i'm sorry President of the time, Ulysses S. Grant, actually dispatched a group of men to take care of the quote-unquote Indian problem. And pretty much by his top advisors, they said wherever there are buffalo, there are going to be Indians. Because the native people used the buffalo, they used every part of the buffalo, and they were very skilled in living off the land, and buffaloes were a big part of that for them. So this is actually where they tasked people like Buffalo Bill to go out on these excursions out into the West and just pretty much kill as many buffalo as they could. And who better to help you do that than a man nicknamed Buffalo Bill? (laughs) And along with this too, I think paired with like his notoriety and then also his experience of working with the army as a scout, he would eventually be tasked to kind of guiding people out into the wild west too. Mm. So one of the most notable kind of like groups that he brought out and was the guide for in the west was the Grand Duke Alexei Alexandrovich from Russia. So he came for his like western tour he wanted to do like a pretty much like a hunting trip he came Mm -hmm. to the u.s just to go on a hunting trip and the u.s was like cool we're gonna designate you this buffalo bill cody dude he's gonna be your guide because he like knows how to deal with the indians talk with them live off the land where to go where not to go etc he knows what he's doing exactly but it was kind of a little bit dicey because bill had been part of these like American Indian wars and had kind of beef with some of the Indian tribes. Mm. So he had to go up and be like, Hey, remember that one time we were like in a, in a battle together. Also, I have this like grand Duke from Russia. Can you, can you like show him how to shoot a bow and arrow? Like just like, 
we're on an excursion right now. Awkward. <laughs> like, super, super awkward. Overall, Bill's time in the army was kind of on and off and again as like in that scout capacity, but he would eventually earn himself a Medal of Honor. Hmm. The Medal of Honor was sadly taken away at one point, I think in the early 1900s, just due to, I don't know, weird rules. He eventually got it back. End of story. I won't go down that rabbit hole. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's mainly because they changed the guidelines of who can receive a Medal of Honor. So he no longer met those guidelines. Yeah, because he wasn't like an official like officer in the army. But I mean, I feel like once you've bestowed it upon someone, it's theirs. You can't just be like, give it back. Give it back. I think this was after his death too like i don't know the u.s took away like i think i saw the number was like 902 medals of honor oh wow yeah i'm like that's shady interesting (laughs) that's rude anyway that's a story for another pod (laughs) also while he was serving with the army he was kind of stationed in a couple different areas but one time when he was in st louis with the army he saw and met the love of his life and this is, did you watch season two of Bridgerton yet? No. Ugh, okay. So I'm like, sorry. I, I won't say too much, <laughs> but the way that they met is very season two Bridgerton. <laughs> so it's pretty much, he saw this woman horseback riding mm-hmm. and he was like from afar. She was so beautiful. He needed to know her. It wasn't very common for women to ride horses back then, especially by themselves. Like she was just like off riding a horse by herself. Just gallivanting. <laughs> and he's like, this woman, she's wild and beautiful and I need to meet her. But also social rules of the time said that he couldn't simply just approach her. They needed to be formally introduced. So he asked around to all of his friends, who knows this wild horsewoman? I love her. I need to meet her. And everyone's like, sorry, I don't know who she is. Uh, Until one chance encounter where she was in in need. Again, I won't go into too much detail. And he was able to come to her aid. And then it was kind of allowed. It was kind of like a little like work around little backdoor into introducing. Sneaky. Did you ever watch Pride and Prejudice? Mm Mm-hmm. There's like where the militia is coming and they're like, you drop your scarf, they pick it up and then they hand it to you and then you're introduced. Like it's like women came up with all kinds of ways and men to like be introduced, not technically properly, but like it was at least acceptable. Yes. So he kind of did that. We're just walking around all willy nilly saying hi to people. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) The horror. (laughs) My name is Buffalo Bill. (laughs) Hey, hey, lady. (laughs) Hi, lady. You're pretty. So her name was Luisa Frederici, I think is how you would say her last name. And eventually the two would go on to be married. They had four kids together, two of which didn't make it. Uh, I think one died of scarlet fever, and I'm not sure what the other one passed away of. But those two died, I think, at least before the age of five. Mm -hmm. But they would be married from... I think it was 1866, all the way until, obviously, they died. He died first, so I'll just say that. But their whole relationship was, I feel like we could do a podcast episode on this in itself. The first couple years were pretty normal. They had their kids. He was off in the army or doing this or being a scout or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of hit a period where... They weren't so good. They filed, they tried to file for divorce a couple of times. And a lot of historians say that their divorce and their like relationship struggles were like the original like tabloid divorce 
drama because it played out in all the newspapers. Interesting. All their their divorce things and all this stuff and how he wanted to divorce her because of her nagging and like how she just straight up refused and was like, I'm your wife. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) You signed up for this. Yeah. In the end, they kind of ended up reconciling at least, you know, like where that they were like amicable with each each other and uh, until his passing at... um, later on in life we'll say but that their whole story was extremely extremely interesting buffalo bill was also kind of known as like a little bit of a a ladies man right so there was some definite drama there and also at different points of his life he was quite the drunkard so he was he had some self-destructive behaviors for sure Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of drama there so after the army and his scouting adventures and all of that he kind of needed like a little bit of a refresh and one of his friends was in Chicago and was writing like a, I guess like a live action play, right? Mm -hmm. Called the Scouts of the Prairie. So he invites Buffalo Bill up and they kind of do, yeah, this like stage play about like cowboys and Indians and the the wild west and all of this stuff. Yeah. And this is kind of where Bill finds a love for the stage and performing and doing all this stuff. Yeah, the theater. So after some time doing this show and kind of tipping his toe into different, like, you know, plays and different ideas, he comes up with his own show called Buffalo Bill's Wild West. And this is probably the most one of the most famous things he is known for because this spanned a big chunk of his life. The show was pretty much, yeah, live action, almost like a medieval times. Oh, I love the medieval. You know, I love the medieval. I times. know you love the medieval uh, times. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so there was cowboys on horses, and they were fighting Indians, and they was like, you know, so it's like this huge, like little play where they're shooting guns and having, mm-hmm. like, you know, staging these fake battles and and things, and some of them were historically accurate, and some of them weren't. Um, Buffalo Bill was pretty famous for scalping a few Indians, but one in particular, he actually bought the scalp on the show. Ew. And so people would come just to see it. So yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely a huge draw, which is disgusting. Actually, the scalp that was said to have been on stage on the show was that of an Indian named Yellow Hair. So the legend says that when Cody rejoined kind of the army as a scout and all of that back in like the later 1800s and another war called the Great Plains War against the Native Americans. Cody actually killed Yellowhair and took his scalp. And after he did so, he raised it and said, the first scalp for Custer. And this is kind of in reference to the battle at Little Bighorn, which was a, a, a big battle against like the Americans and the Native Americans. And it's pretty much commonly known as like Custer's last stand. So this was the scalp that was rumored to have been part of the stage play, but who's to say if it actually was? <laughs> now, it's kind of interesting because Buffalo Bill became like a, a pretty big ally of the Native Americans. So he was like a firm supporter, kind of like really respected their way of life, right? Mm-hmm. And how they lived off the land and how they did it in a peaceful manner and all this stuff. And he tried to bring actual Native Americans, not people like dressed up as them, 
onto his show, mm-hmm. kind of thinking like, I'll pay you a fair wage and like maybe you can go back to your reservation and like do something great with this money, stuff yeah. like that. And he became friends with a lot of Native Americans. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He would end up having tons of different people like come visit, like celebrities of the time. Mm-hmm. But like he had like Annie Oakley, Calamity Jane, like all these people of the time, like sharpshooters and whatever that would come and join his show. But one of the most prominent ones to me is the Native American chief Sitting Bull. He was actually part of the show for a while. Eventually, like, he adapted it a couple times and kind of, you know, like, to make it new or fresh. Yeah. Yeah, So at one point, I think it was like 10 years into the show, he kind of evolved it to Buffalo Bill's Wild West and the Rough Riders of the World. So, yeah, I know. Sounds cool. International. I know. So he had all these different groups of people, like, like Mongols dressed up like in their traditional garb on their horses and like, you know, Spanish conquistadors and Turks and Native Americans. And this is where Sitting Bull came in, right? And that they would like compete in like different little events, like Mm. whatever against each other. And it was just kind of a way to like show the world like these different groups of people and their skills. So the show really ran in around the United States and also Europe. They did quite a few European tours. And one of them, they actually did a private, I think it was a private show for Queen Victoria's Jubilee celebrations, <laughs> which is like... That's so random. I, I love know. it. So they, I, th- I think they had to take like a giant ship over, but they had to bring like... A hundred horses, a bunch of buffalo, a bunch oh of like gosh. ox, all the people that it took, yeah. like all of this stuff. And then they would tour England and Europe and then they would come back and they would do it again. So I, they went over there several times hmm. and they kind of ran into some trouble, I think, on the last trip to Europe because a couple of the people in the show ended up dying from like injuries sustained during the show and also various illnesses. So that was kind of a, a little bit of a downer and kind of became a pain point. But really, the show lasted for several decades. Oh, wow. And, and only really hit its downward spiral because of a tragic train accident that happened stateside. So they had the train that was carrying, again, they had to move these people all around. They had horses, they had bu- they had literally all of these people on a train. Mm-hmm. Annie Oakley was on this train, and these two trains collided. Oh, yikes. Yeah, over a hundred of the horses had either died or had to be put down because of injuries they sustained. Mm-hmm. Annie Oakley, actually, who was like a famous like sharpshooter, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll probably do an episode on her. <laughs> but um, she her, was so injured that doctors told her she would never walk again. Oh, wow. Obviously, she overcame this, but yeah, it was pretty tragic. But a lot of their set pieces, the horses, the people, everyone, and kind of after that, it all kind of dwindled down a little bit. While he no longer really had the show to kind of look forward to, he definitely still had the fortune that he earned during the show. The show made him a very rich man. And he was like, cool, what am I going to do with all this money? (laughs) And pretty much the West was calling him back. Mm -hmm. And he's like, cool, I'm going to go buy a big chunk of land somewhere in the West. And I'm going to like settle myself there. And he really became fond of this one area. He traveled through a couple times in Wyoming that just like had beautiful views, forest, river, really lush, fertile ground. And so he went there and ended up buying a bunch of property. And that town became Cody, Wyoming. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, which is still a town today, right? And it was named after himself, obviously. 
So he kind of thought, okay, what am I going to do here? Right? Like I want to give, I obviously need to still live my best authentic self, <laughs> which means that like he always had that in his blood. Like he was a frontiersman. Yeah. He needed to go hunting and be out in nature and do all these things. So he's like, cool, I'm going to offer this amazing experience to whoever wants to come and experience it. Mm-hmm. So he built a hotel and he built like, like a, like a stud ranch and all these different things and attractions. Eventually the train rail came to Cody. So people could come and visit Cody and live like in the wild west. So it was almost just kind of like, yeah, they would go and be like, okay, I'm going to sign up for this excursion and someone's going to take me out to the woods and teach me how to trap or teach me how to hunt or whatever and get to like live like they're in the wild west. Right. (laughs) So that was kind of his idea for the town. He kind of lived out the rest of his days there and his one of his sisters actually lived in Denver, Colorado, and in 1917 he was in Denver visiting her when he ended up passing away from kidney failure. Um, there was a lot of debate on where to bury Buffalo Bill because obviously he was in Denver transporting a body um, via like train or wagon. It would take a minute, right? But a lot of the residents of Cody were like, "No, he needs to be buried in Cody. This is his town. Yeah, this is his namesake." But overall, after a lot of debate and a lot of back and forth, it was decided that he was buried was to be buried in Golden, Colorado, and this was on Lookout Mountain. His grave is actually still there today, which is funny because I'm like, "Oh, we went to Golden," and I was like, "I don't know where Lookout Mountain is." Like, yeah, I don't. It I don't recall seeing a grave when we were there. Yeah, it wasn't just like a grave on a sidewalk. <laughs> I'm sure it's like off the beaten path a little bit, but you can still visit it today. There's like little stuff around it. But it's got a plaque there and like a bunch of stones, but it's actually also gated in hmm. because there was a lot of suspicion that someone was going to try to steal his body and go and put it in Cody. Oh. And a lot of people think that this actually did happen, that they successfully stole his body and buried it somewhere in the mountains near like outside of Cody, Wyoming. So Buffalo Bill obviously led a pretty adventurous life. Yeah. A lot of it spent in the Great Plains and a lot of it, you know, fighting, hunting, putting on shows. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I think I mentioned in the beginning, he was a hotelier. We didn't even really go down that path. He tried to be a sensible, stable man and and buy and rent a hotel for a minute, but he's mm-hmm. like, this ain't, this life is not for me. <laughs> it's like trying to put him in a cubicle. He's yeah. like, nah, I need to be out in the I West. Need to be with nature. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Overall, I think he led a really cool life. He lived for 71 years, which I think for the oh, time wow. was like a lot, especially from all he endured, right? He traveled around out in the elements and he lived off the land and he hunted and he shot and he read... All these things, right? So yeah. he's kind of just known as like this Wild West cowboy, right? Wow, <laughs> like, that's awesome. So just some other fun facts that I really loved about him. There's tons of books written about him. Like I said, he wrote his own biography as well. I bet that's but, interesting. For sure. I'm like, I think I need to read this. Okay, sorry. There was a siren going on in the background, so we took a little pause. <laughs> and it wasn't a jet. At we, least haven't had, a, we haven't had a jet. A single jet and... I think it's over now. It's past two. So I think we're in the clear from jet noises. You have to like probably fly back. 
That's true. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a jet before this is over. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool. But anyway, yeah, Buffaloville Cody lived a very interesting life. Like I said earlier, Cody, Wyoming is still a town. I mean, it didn't go anywhere. It just like decided <laughs> to travel to be in a town. Yeah. So they have a couple different museums for Buffaloville Cody there, and I think some just plaques and history and stuff around there. And yeah, overall, I think he was a really interesting dude. He had a very yeah. interesting life, and I feel like he definitely lived life to the fullest. And he is a bad B. Definitely. And that is Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, the baddest B of the Wild Wild West. The baddest Bill. The baddest Bill. The baddest Bill it. of all the Bills. That was so interesting. I definitely um, want to check out snippets from his autobiography i'm sure uh homeboy's got some stories to tell oh for sure i can imagine yeah lots of it well thank you for pulling it all together yeah very interesting stuff i didn't really know much about him like i kind of remembered that he had like a show or something mm-hmm. but i didn't i didn't know he was like he's living his best life running, yeah running around the u.s yeah <laughs> and your europe and europe good for him yeah All right, cool. Well, thank you so much again. Um, Thank you guys for listening. If you want to check out any of Michelle's source materials, go check out our website, historiablepodcast.com. If you'd like to check out our socials, we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're all Historible Podcast. Also, if you'd like to join our Patreon, uh, go to patreon.com slash historiablepodcast. It's a great way to support us and this lovely little historical adventure we're we're on right now. So yay, historical. Yay. Yay. And I think we'll just see you guys next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I wish I was a cowboy. You can be whatever you want to be. I've only ridden a horse once, but I really want to like ride horses. Oh, you hate horses. I I don't understand the appeal. I'm not a I'm not a horse person. Yeah. Never was, never will be. Not everyone can be cool enough to be a horse person. Oh, burn. Burn. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.